Today I'm going to talk about the number one issue of uh, money for people. People don't know this, but the most common problem in finances for people is related to this one thing. And if you can get this one thing out of the way, if you can get this one thing straightened out, you know, very likely that a lot of things are going to unleash in your life regarding your finances. And so most people, money issues are an identity issue. Most people, money issues are an identity issue, specifically related to their relationship with Father God. That's it. We can go home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's right. You have daddy issues. They're probably connected to your money issues. Why? Because our Father God is the provider, right? It's the job of the dad to be the provider, right? And so our Heavenly Father, in the same way, is our provider. You know, and I'm not talking about Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's the three in one, it's the Trinity. But if you have a hard time relating to Father God, you know, there's likely a father issue in your heart that needs to be healed, that needs to be corrected, that needs to be aligned to the Word of God. Because if you have a problem connecting with Father God, it's very possible that it's also connected to any money problems or provision problems that you may have. Okay? So we're going to get a little bit more into, into this in just a moment. But um, let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, All praise be, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and we're going to read all the way through 5. It says, All praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we're united with Christ. Even before he made the world, okay, so that's like way back, right? Even before he made the world, there's no exaggeration here, before creation, before Genesis, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now that's amazing. See, it says he decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Tell the person next to you, you're not an afterthought. <clears throat> Any babies of the family here? Any babies in the family here? You know, babies, you're not an afterthought. You're not the mistake. You're not the oops. Oh, we thought we had taken care of that. You're not that. Okay? Because it says right here that God decided in advance to adopt you into his own family by bringing you to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Tell yourself, I give God great pleasure. Just because you exist, you give God great pleasure. He's like, you're not an afterthought. Before I created the world, I decided, you know, to bring you into my family. That's pretty amazing. And you bring him great pleasure. Let's go to chapter 2 of Ephesians, and we're going to go to uh, verses 4 through 7. It says, God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that 
Even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Hmm. So he raised us and he put us where? In heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. Because we're united with Christ Jesus. So our place is in heavenly realms, right? Uh, we talked about this many times that we're not of this world, but we were given now citizenship of the kingdom of heaven. When you accept Jesus in your heart, you become a citizen of heaven. So you're in this world, but you're not of this world. Your citizenship, your identity, your place, your eternal home is in heaven, right? And that's your place next to the Father, okay? Let's go to um, <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 2. In verse 9, it says, But you're not like that, for you are chosen people, you're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Man, you're not like that. You're a chosen people. You're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. Thank you, God. Again, not an afterthought. You're chosen. Hmm. I think some people have a hard time, you know, um, believing they're chosen. Maybe it's the trauma from when you were, you know, little and you were going to play soccer or football or basketball and you're making teams and you're not a team captain. Somebody else is a team captain and you're in the bunch and they're going, you know. I want Julie, I want Nick, I want Naomi, and I want Margarita in my team, and I want it. And you're just like. <laughs> and what's the big question? Are they going to choose me? Are they going to pick me? Isn't there, great, isn't there great fear going in that moment? Like, am I going to be of the chosen ones? Well, see, it doesn't matter what happened in school. It doesn't matter what happened at that time, you know. And, um, and maybe you need healing in your heart from that time. But the truth is that God chose you. You're not an afterthought. He chose you in advance. You're chosen. He picked you. There's not another one like you. There will never be another one like you. You're unique. He knows you by name. He has a plan for you. That's such good news, isn't it? Like he picked you. You're chosen. Chosen people. You're royal priests. So you're royalty and you're, you're a priest. So that means you are, you're part of the royal family because you're a child of God. And you're also a priest. So that means you also serve God. So you serve God, but you're his son. You're his daughter. You're both. You know, so let's put an end to the argument of like, no, we're servants. No, we're children. No, we're servants. No, we're, you're both. But before being... You know, a servant, you're, you're a child of God. So you're a child of God who serves God, who serves his father's kingdom, who serves in his father's business. Jesus said, I am about my father's business and his father's affairs. That's where he was in. And so in the same way, we are, you know, royal priesthood. We're royalty. We're part of the royal family of God. 
okay? And we're also, we also serve him. This so is my, my, my daughter, and you know, my daughter, uh, you know, if somebody said like, she's your employee, I'd be like, that is correct. But there's a higher truth that is, she's my daughter. And that comes before, that carries more weight. Are you with me? And so the problem is when people just identify as servants only. No, no, I'm just a servant. I'm just a servant. I'm just a servant. Like, what does that mean? You say it like it means like you're less. And God's saying you're both. I chose you. You're both. Let's go to Luke chapter 15. I love this story. This is the story of the extravagant father. I don't know if, if you've ever read this story before. You're like, what? The extravagant father? I thought it was the one about the prodigal son. <laughs> yeah, that's how we know it, but it's more about the extravagant father than it is about a prodigal son. There's more to say about the father than there is about the son. Yes, we identify with the son because, you know, we've done that kind of stuff. But there's so much more to be admired and to be received and to be known about the father's attitude and the father's um, spirit in, in this situation than there is about the son. And so I want to point out because many times people think like, yeah, I'm the prodigal son, but they, they kind of get stuck in the, in the mindset that he had coming back not in how the Father received him. And so let's read, let's start in verse, um, let's see, verse, uh, well, we, we know how it goes, right? In verse 11, it starts, and he goes, you know, Father, give me, give me the part of my inheritance, and he goes, and he's wasting it all out, right? And in verse um, 15, okay, so he loses it all. He loses his friends. A great famine comes. And in verse 15, he says he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. The man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. They were like, oink, oink, nope, oink, oink, nope, none for you. You know, stay away. This is my pig food. There's none for you here. And so... He says, verse 17, when he finally came to his census, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. See, another problem that that people have that, that affects their finances is that not only that they don't see themselves as children of God, of God who owns everything, right? Who, has, who is the God of unlimited resources. But also, they, um, just like it says here, uh, they, they see themselves only as servants, and they don't see themselves worthy. Because see, what the son said here was kind of true. He was no longer worthy of being called his son, right? He's like, he made his decision. Nobody would have blamed the father if he just kept him as a servant. Nobody would have been like, okay, well, you know, that's what the son chose. So he came back. That's nice of the father to keep him as a servant, right? And so many believers come back as a prodigal son and they get stuck just like a servant. Like, yeah, I, you know, I made some really bad decisions. So I'm coming back to the Lord now, but 
you know, I'm just a lowly servant. I'm not worthy. That's one of the biggest problems right there. I'm not worthy to be called your son. And we think that's so humble. That's where I need to stay. And we don't keep on reading. And it doesn't click to us that the father didn't keep him at that. That the father didn't take his word for that. And he says, I'm no longer to be... Uh, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. This father had been looking out for his son the whole time. So whenever you came to the Lord, or if you're coming to the Lord today, you know, he's looking out. He's been looking out. He was looking out for you. Always looking out. When is he going to come back? Because free, uh, true freedom, you, you know, a true love sets people free, I'm sorry. True love, you know, the love he has sets people free, so it lets them choose for themselves. And it says, um, verse 21, it says, The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm, not, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick! Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. If you realize this, the son had more, more to say about that. The son had also the part where he's going to say, please take me on as a hired servant. So I'm imagining that the father, this extravagant father, just interrupted him or kind of ignored him because he didn't even talk to him. He's like, my son is here, hugged him, kissed him, and he looks and he turns to the servants. He's like, hey, we're going to have a party. Come, go get him, you know, clothes, go get him a ring, go get him, you know, sandals, go get him all the, and the son was probably like, I was in the middle of my speech here, hello, you know. <laughs> I no longer, wore, uh, but his father said to servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has, and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields. Okay, so that's why I call this the extravagant father. Because it's like the son had a plan. Thank God he came to himself. He's like, my, my father's servants are better off. But he comes back and, and his plan is ruined for a better one. And that's exactly what Jesus did with us. We didn't deserve to be called sons and daughters. We didn't deserve to be, you know, treated and called like he, like he is to us. Like salvation would have been enough. And, but on top of that, he gives us healing and he gives us abundant life and he gives us prosperity and he gives us peace and he gives us joy. Like that's way more than we deserve. We don't even deserve salvation. We could never pay for our own salvation. It's only by the grace of God that we are able to be saved. So he paid a high price. And so just like that, the son is coming back and he's like, I'm not worthy of it. And the father's like, okay, you're back. That's all I care about. But what would happen if this son just got stuck in servant mode and rejected the robe and rejected the ring and rejected the, the, the master bedroom that the father had for him and rejected all the privileges and just lived like a servant? Well, he would just live like a servant. 
And that's the problem with a lot of believers. They, they, they are stuck in their past. They're stuck in, I don't deserve this. I'm not worthy. And their identity never fully connects to the father back because they always have in their mind where they came from and what they did and all their mistakes and how they're not worthy. And the devil is having a, a blast with that. Every day he's like, you're right, you're not worthy. You're right, you're not worthy. Yeah, you don't. You better not even go to that conference. God wants you rich because God doesn't want you rich. He wants other people rich, but not you. You messed up big time. Remember? Remember when you, when you went away from the Lord and you, and you turned your back on the Lord? Remember when you did that? You had a great time, didn't you? Huh? You had a great time. Well, you had your time. Now is no longer your time. Now you're just going to be a servant. So shut up and sit down. And that's the devil speaking to us all the time, all day long. He's just like saying, you're not worthy. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. So you always keep that distance with the Father. You live in the house. You come on Sundays, you know you're going to go to heaven. But you have a distance with the Father because in your heart, you're still just that lowly servant. You're still just like, oh man, I know. I just, mm, it doesn't feel right to put on the robe and the ring and the sandals. It doesn't feel right to, to kind of exercise my authority as a son. When I left and I made a fool of myself and I spent it all and I behaved like an animal. And so you're in the house of God, but you keep a distance between you and the Father. You see him come in the room, and you go out the back door. You see him sit at the table, and you, God, he wants me to sit at the table. You sit on the complete opposite end of the table. You're invited to a closer, more intimate relationship. You're just like, oh, man, why? Because you feel inadequate. Because you still haven't received the ring, the robe. You still haven't fully embraced the grace that you didn't deserve. Because that right there is a picture of grace. Complete picture of grace that what he didn't deserve, what he couldn't pay for, what, what made no sense. He had already spent what was his. And the father just gives him more. Why? Because we serve a God of unlimited resources. And so if there's any part in your heart that says that, yeah, I don't feel worthy. Yeah, I know. I, I have that echoing in the back of my head. Yes, I've always identified more of as a servant than daddy's girl or daddy's boy as a matter of fact i judge pretty harshly when i see any of these trust fund people you know because i'm like who are they like it's just daddy's money what you don't realize is that this was daddy's money and i'm not promoting entitlement okay at all that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is there's absolutely nothing wrong and there's everything right with receiving all of daddy's resources Is this helping anybody? <clears throat> so we could receive all the great news about, you know, God's prosperity and God's blessing. But if in our heart we still see ourselves distant from Father God, that gap right there is the lack gap. The gap of lack. The, lack of po the, the gap of poverty right there. And this is what poverty, this is a, a, a small picture of what the poverty mindset looks like or what it sounds like. <clears throat> it says, uh, verse 25, Meanwhile, the older son was out in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. 
And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. The fatted calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But, the, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. What's he pointing at? He's pointing at himself, right? Everything that I've done, everything I've done right. I've been Mr. Goody Tissues. Like, I, you know, I just, I didn't break one rule. I'm the most obedient one of them all. So he's pointing to whose righteousness? His own righteousness, right? And we know that by our own, by our own righteousness, we can never earn anything from God. Because Isaiah tells us our righteousness is like filthy rags before the Lord. It would never be good enough in our own righteousness, which is why by faith and through grace, we have to access God's grace, right? That he has made available to us and his righteousness. And it's in his righteousness. That's why Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because in your righteousness, he won't add anything unto you. But in his righteousness, he, would add all, he will add all things unto you. Hello. It says, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all the time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and now has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. See, so this to so many people uh, doesn't feel right, you know, because it's like, yeah, what about him? What about him? You know, well, that's because they identify with him too, right? Because it means you're trying in your own righteousness to earn things from God and to, and to be good enough. So both had the same issue, you know, both, you know, one came back and he's looking at his past. He's looking at his works. He's like, ah, I'm not worthy. I'm just. I'll be lucky if I'm a servant. And then the other one's over here, same thing, counting on his own righteousness, working really hard, really hard. Maybe one day I'll learn it. Maybe one day daddy will look at me and I'll be like worthy of all this stuff. And, and dad's like, you're both my sons, fully my sons, regardless of the bad things you did and regardless of the good things you think you did. Neither one gets you what being a son gets you. Just being a son, being a daughter. That's it. It says, for those who believe in him, we're given the power to become sons, right? Children of God. Those who believed in him, not those who didn't make any mistakes or not those who did everything right. Those who believed in him. Because it is by grace, through faith, that we are saved. And the word, salva- the word salvation, we know it means prosperity, it means health, it means being saved, it means whole, complete, in peace, in joy, lacking nothing, missing nothing, nothing broken. Man, this is better than you're shouting. I'm just saying, like, I'm preaching to myself, if, if anything, I'm blessed today. I am so blessed today. <laughs> it's like, I am his son. I am his son. Because I put my faith in Jesus, I'm his son. That's it. And he gives me the ring and the robe and the sandals. And he throws the party and he celebrates me. You know who can't celebrate? Those with a poverty mindset. 
those that um, are just trying to earn it on their own so hard and they're so unhappy for everybody else's victories because they don't understand. They're like, how? How is, how is God blessing him when I? How is God blessing? Why does he have a new car? He must be doing something crooked in there. I don't know. I don't think. He never looked to me like a straight person. He's probably just, you know, a crook. Yeah. How is he doing that? Oh, I know why, you know. It's just his dad's money. Oh, I, you know, that's the poverty mindset when you can't celebrate other people's victories. I love it when James gets up here and he's like, who's got something to celebrate, right? We have a celebration culture, whether we do it from the pulpit or not. And we rejoice with you. But a poverty mindset can't celebrate with other people's victories because they think, this is what the poverty mindset says, is that there's not, there's not enough for all of us. There's not enough for all of us. Therefore, if you have something, it means I don't have it. If you're blessed to the poverty mindset, somebody blessed means they took my blessing. And we forget that we serve the God, our Father, of unlimited resources. He has unlimited resources. You're worried about what God gave somebody else that you don't have instead of fixing your eyes on Him who has storehouses in heaven open. We need an abundance mindset. That's a kingdom mindset. There's enough for all of us. There's plenty to go around. It doesn't depend on, on your city. It doesn't depend on the country. It doesn't depend on that. It depends on the God you serve. And he's the God of unlimited resources. In Malachi 3.10 says, bring the tithe to the storehouse. And watch him. If he will not open the windows of heaven and pour out so much you can't contain. Unless his budget ran out because Bob took it all. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. Oh, he's doing that business. Well, I can't do it now. Because, you know, we'll be competing against each other. There is so much... But see, the, the older son, the poverty mindset, it doesn't matter that you're living in the house of the rich guy like the older son. It's a heart condition. And just like the younger son went physically away and was distant from the father, the older son was distant from his father in his heart. Which tells me that you can be away from church and be distant from God, but you can also be inside of church and your heart be distant from God and be having the same lack experience. So where's the answer? We got to shorten the gap. We got to shorten the gap with our Father. You are worthy. You're worthy, man. You're worthy because He chose you before He created the world because you bring him great pleasure, because you're not an afterthought. You're a child of God. Hmm. Is this blessing anybody today? Man, all your financial problems are going to be gone today. These things are starting to turn around today. 
It's not hard to be blessed. It's daddy's money. (laughs) Pastor, I don't like that talk. That's just weird. (laughs) I'll tell you by experience, it's, it's my father's money. It's my father's ideas, you know. He has ideas, ideas, inventions, solutions. You know, our, our declaration, one of those says, solutions to grow as a population. Ideas for technology, ideas for things. I can't tell you how many. I could, I could spend 30 minutes telling you about testimonies of people who have who've had ideas from God that have changed the world. I was just listening to somebody from uh, last week here. Um, in second service, they, they told me God visited them in a dream and gave him the solution for a company problem. And the next day he went on his computer, he did three clicks and found out exactly what everybody had been looking at for a month and solved the problem. Ah, that stuff only happens to who? To God's children. Man, this is exciting. It means I don't depend on an economy. I don't, you know, my, my finances aren't subject to a recession. Like, like I'm going to prosper in the middle of a recession. The wealth transfer is coming my way. Not away from me, but towards me. I'm not going to compare myself to other people. I'm just going to look at how I was doing last year and how much better I'm doing this year and have a vision of how much better I'll do for next year. And by the end of my life, I'll have more than enough for two generations of inheritance. Man, for me, you know, before it was like, man, if I can pay for four weddings, I'd be happy. <laughs> and I'm sure my boy's going to want something too, so, you know. And how could I deny him? I mean, he's the coolest kid in the world. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's, it goes beyond that, you know. I want to be blessed to be a blessing. I want to be the person that God can get it to because he can get it through me, you know, somebody else. Hmm. And so I want to pray. I want to pray this morning. And um, do we have? Um, no, I, we, we have this financial declaration, and, and we're going to do this in just a moment. Um, but I think we have some copies of this still left in the bookstore, and you can you can grab a copy of this financial prayer and declaration. Um, and and when 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 you take one of these, um, I don't want you to just. Repeat it and say it. You know, Matthew uh, 6, Jesus tells us, like, don't, don't just pray, like, babbling. You know, just, like, really see it and believe it. You know, one of my faith definitions is, and I say my is because this is what I've concluded from a lot of it. It's like to be able to see how God sees and to be able to see me in what God says. You know, so when I, I pray a, a prayer or a promise or a declaration of, of the word, I don't just pray it. I see myself in it. And I experience the feelings and the emotions that it is, you know, to be in that promise fulfilled. And that's faith, you know. And so, um, so one of the things I want to do right now is, as we pray, is that you just be really honest with yourself, you know, and how, how distant or how close you feel to Father God. You know, when you, when you close your eyes and, and you think of God the Father, when you think of the picture of God the Father, how, how far, how close do you feel or do you see yourself to him? So just go ahead and close your eyes. And Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would just show us if, if this is uh, an issue, if there is a, a gap we need to close, if there was a, uh, a trauma or a memory or, or, or some bad experience in our past that made us feel distant from Father God. 
You know, if you if you if you didn't have a father growing up, or if your father was distant and maybe he was present, but he wasn't close or intimate. He was far away from you. Maybe, maybe you grew up with, uh, with a dad who was just hard or harsh or, you know, like all of those things are affecting how close you feel to Father God because that's the picture you have of, of a father. But the father wants to renew that picture with the, fa- with the picture of this extravagant father in Luke 15 because that's the picture of a heavenly father. And it's that father that was excited to see you. Not excited to punish you, not not with a list checking it twice to see like, oh, you know, did he did he do it? You know, how well did he do it? And he's not a father that is ready to be critical of you. He's not a father that is like, you know, just looking to see like if you mess up or how well you did. No, he was just excited to see you coming to the house. And that's his heart every day. He's excited to see you. He celebrates you. You're not an afterthought. He chose you. Before he even created the world, he had a plan to put you in his family. You bring him great delight and great pleasure. So if in your past, maybe you had something that said otherwise, you know, today I just ask you, Holy Spirit, would you heal that memory? Would you heal that bad image, bad experience, that bad representation of the Father God in our lives? Would you, would you correct that with how you correctly see us like this extravagant father in Luke 15? That is a picture of you. So just right there, close your eyes for a moment and just, just see that. Where, where do you see yourself with that? In? And if it's distance, if it's too far, or, or maybe it's just on the other side of the table, just, just see yourself getting closer to him. And, and he's excited. You, know, you need to know that. Don't be nervous to get close to Father God. You know, because it's, it's this picture, this, um, this belief that he wants you close and how close he wants you that is closing the gap of distance with you and Father God. And so, Father God, we come close to you. We receive your embrace. We receive your love. We see the smile on your face that celebrates us, that celebrates us coming home, that celebrates us not just living in the house like the other older brother did, but, but, but to be close to you. To the point that, that you give us access to all your resources. To the point that we can see ourselves, not your money, but we see it as ours. Because what's yours is ours. And you share that with you. And you want to share the resources of, the, uh, of heaven with us to do the things that you've called us to do. That we might abound for every good work. That we could be blessed to be a blessing. That money will not be a problem, will not be an issue. Why? Because our daddy is wealthy. Because our daddy has unlimited resources. Because our dad has everything that we need to run our race. So we thank you, Father God. And, that's, and we just choose to see ourselves close to you every day. Every day. You give us a ring. You give us a robe. You give us sandals. You give us identity. You love us. You celebrate us. See, God doesn't just love you. He celebrates you. He celebrates you. And he's excited that you're sitting closer today than yesterday. 